0: Grace and peace, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're having a magnanimous day. It's your girl Yammy, aka Yams B. Sand. And you are now listening to Can I Be Honest? Hey guys, thanks for joining me for uh, our second pandemic. Talk interview. Um, today's guest is a sweet spirit that I uh, was introduced to um, in my journey at seminary, on my journey in seminary. <laughs> um, I met Pastor Hannah um, years ago. Again, thankfully, via social media, we've been able to keep in contact, and she is a spiritual formation uh, pastor and a pastor of many things. At um, her church, and I thought it only fitting that as many of us wrestle with just kind of our feelings and even even talks of, of our spirit and where we are, you know, in spirituality, that we have a conversation with someone um, who understands, especially those of us who are parents, um, because uh, Pastor Hannah has. Uh, uh, experience um as a parent one and uh, it, it helping families um this conversation was this conversation is going to be great for you so go ahead sit back um and get ready to be fed spiritually by my friend um pastor hannah Co. but first a message from our sponsor now, grace and peace, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're having a magnanimous day. It is your girl, Yammy, AKA Be Sang, and you are now tuned into Can I Be Honest? And as I have previously mentioned in my other episodes, I uh, know some really beautiful people doing really amazing things and they're fancy and they have fancy like backgrounds and things like that. And um, graciously, they have uh, been open enough to come on my platform to discuss just anything I ask them to. One of them being the great Pastor Hannah Coe, who is with us today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody's
1: applauding. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now, I met Pastor Hannah uh, when we attended uh, McAfee School of Theology with each other. Now, uh, my experiences at McAfee are a blur because I was working at the time and kind of went in and off, but I do remember Mm. um, Hannah, Pastor Hannah, being so sweet and welcoming, and it's something that even though our relationship has um, progressed more via social media and the connection that we have is usually through like uh, uh, likes or comments or things like that. Um, that still comes off, which made her a perfect person, in my opinion, to um, have a conversation about this topic, which is the pandemic. Now we've been um, this. Kind of month we'll be focusing on the pandemic because it's still here <laughs> it's still a thing still and here <laughs> <laughs> it's not going away in the foreseeable future and pastor hannah so happens to not only be a wife and a a mother but she is a pastor and, and uh, her area of focus happens to be around children so i'm going to let pastor hannah talk her talk and give you guys the fundamentals of why, like, she was one of the perfect persons uh, to get on the show. So, Pastor Hannah, tell the people about you.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. It's, It's really an honor to get to be with you, and my first thought when you asked me about this is that I'm totally not qualified to be a part of a conversation with you, but I am just so grateful that we get to talk, and we get to actually catch up a little bit, and also, hopefully, get to bless other people and encourage them um, in these really, really difficult days. So, thank you very much for um, the honor of getting to talk with you. Um, so, yes, I. My name is Hannah. I live in Jefferson City, Missouri, and I am one of the pastors at First Baptist Church in Jefferson City. Um, I grew up in Athens, Georgia, and uh, went to. A a small private liberal arts college, Berry College in Rome, Georgia, um, and then uh, made the decision to go to seminary um, a couple years after college, after having um, some time to work in a church and go through a discernment process. Um, And so I made the decision to go to seminary, went to McAfee, uh, in Atlanta and uh, worked at First Baptist Church in Athens Georgia for seven years uh, before finishing McAfee and then coming to um, serve on staff at First Baptist in Jeff City um, so my background is I've done um, mostly program type ministry if you will um, so ministry working with different age groups or or sort of specific groups so I've worked with children and youth and college students and young adults. Um, And now in my current role, I do work with children and families, um, particularly children birth through fifth grade is my area of focus and their families. Um, And then I, part of my role here is also as a spiritual formation pastor. So I um, also now have the opportunity to do something that I absolutely love which is working uh, with adults and partnering with them uh, to discover the work that God is doing in their lives and discerning together how to respond to what God is up to. Um, I am married and have been married for 11 years. Um, We have three children, uh, three girls who are all, um, you know, they're just borderline ready to lose their mind. Um, They have not been in school since March 18th, and we are all gearing up to participate in the grand experiment of children trying to go back to school. So um, that's on our horizon, and that's a little bit about my background and my family.
0: I, again, I, see, this is why you are the perfect person. You have experience, sure. I'm just saying, from a, a not only from a familial aspect, but you have experience with dealing with families outside of your own. Do me a favor, mm-hmm. uh, break down a little bit of, of uh, for someone who may not know anything about spiritual formation, maybe uh, yeah. never heard of the terminology, can you break that down for kind of us? Yeah,
1: so um, the way that I understand spiritual formation is that you know all of us are being formed in our lives, and we're actually all being spiritually formed because we're all spiritual beings. Yeah. So whether you know regardless of what our religious affiliation may be, um, we each have a we are spiritual beings, and so part of what I do in my little corner of the world is um, partner with other people to hear their stories and to listen for how they sense that God is at work in their stories. Um, And in the Christian tradition, uh, the purpose of spiritual formation is to be formed in Christ's likeness or Christ's image for the sake of the world. So as we discern how God is moving in our lives, um, Christians specifically seek to become more like Christ, Mm. to be deeply in relationship with Christ. And for the ways that they're formed, in that relationship to become an overflow and to pour out of them into the world in ways that bring healing and light in the world. So that's uh, a little bit about how I look at spiritual formation and kind of what the, the purpose and the whole point is in the end, is to be formed in the image of Christ for
0: the sake of the world. Love that. Okay. So uh, easy. No, right. Easy. <laughs> easy, yeah, easy. We got easy. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, a perfect, it's a perfect segue into our pandemic talk. Talk to me a little bit, just kind of uh broadly and you know specific to your your community about your concerns regarding the pandemic.
1: Yeah, so specific to my community, I think it's probably very similar to many other communities. Um, Broadly speaking, you know, lots of concerns, not only about health access, health care access right now and access to testing and all those things that are needed in response to the virus. Um, Also, you know, major economic changes that are happening for many people. and, and I would say a little more specifically um, what I hope the church can look and listen for mm. is to be very aware of the economic and uh, physical and spiritual and relational impact that the virus has for the most vulnerable people in our community. So in our community, like many other communities um, at any given time, we have about 14 homeless people, truly homeless, living on the streets in Jefferson City, but we have hundreds of people who are marginally homeless, which are folks who are, you know, sometimes spending the night in their car, sometimes on, you know, flip couch, couch surfing, um, and so we are, need to be particularly aware of how the pandemic is affecting those folks. And then thinking to ourselves, okay, so how can we continue to do the work that we always do, which is to share those stories and to be places of hope, healing, and good help um, for folks who are really gonna be impacted by this. Um, And then specifically in the area of children and families, um, I, I think that we have not really seen the full impact of the virus on children yet. I think um, <clears throat> on, on really on anybody. Um, you know, children cope very differently than adults do. So um, children are very keen listeners. They pick up on everything in their environment they're, they're these amazing little creatures in that way. Um, so they're very sensitive to their environment, to what they see, hear, smell, taste, touch. They are not accurate interpreters of their environment. Uh, they, and, and so, you know, they might observe something or hear something and then their interpretation of it might be, well, um, because dad is sick, it's or, you know, just the way that they interpret things is very different from adults. And then they're even less good at expressing with their words, their thoughts and feelings. And so attention to children's behavior, maybe a little bit more than we do their words. Um, So we watch, you know, how are they playing? How are they eating? How are they sleeping? How are they going to the bathroom? Um, How are they functioning in their relationships? So I have observed in kids that there's a heightened sensitivity. I think that children are feeling um, a little more fragile. I think all of us are feeling a little more fragile than we normally are. And that requires um, just a different level of care. And then for parents, um, I really you know, we're starting to get an increased number of calls for marriage counseling at church. Um, I think that our parents of children are exhausted. I think they have decision fatigue. And so, you know, it's not like we're going into September all prayed up, right? It's been like six months. And so I think the morale is low and the anxiety is high. So just being present you know, with folks in this season is something that is of concern. How do we do that?
0: Everything. Amen, <laughs> right? <It's- laughs> I, think you, I think you have encompassed just kind of everything that I've been feeling over because, while uh, because as a minister of the gospel, there's obviously a need to be on the front lines, serving people, attending to the needs. And doing that, but there's also this internal dynamic to to where we're also not okay. <laughs> like it's just overwhelming. Because even even the perspective that you're talking about or that you mentioned earlier um, about the the marginally homeless, so they're hopping from house to house. I can mm. imagine that if I'm someone who does not have a home during this pandemic, where everybody is kind of uh, cautious. Uh, uh, respectfully so about who can be in their spaces and I don't have somewhere to go how that can affect me overall and even a person who who's maybe uh who's maybe been asked to lend their couch or their car or their homes or something like that what do you really do because at, at the at the forefront of it your responsibility is to your family so if you're conscious if you are, you know, paying attention to what the CDC says, it's important to be socially distanced, right? But what about the other person? And no answer is right or wrong in this, in this dynamic. But uh, further along, the sensitivity of children. Now, I only have one, I have one daughter, but her, her feelings and her emotions because she's especially because she's a social person she thrives off of the engagement between her and her friends and it's and it's not the same for her like for me would be like this is perfect for me you know especially but it's perfect for me because I've had uh a lifetime of being out in the elements and having to work and having to be in the field and coming home late, and waking up early. So this is kind of like, I'm still engaging. I'm still getting work done, but Mm -hmm. I'm home. So this is great. But for her, it's just kind of like, it's not the same.
1: (laughs) And then, you know, we have this layer of collective trauma that's happening in our society around issues of racial justice. And so I'm thinking about parents of of children with black and brown skin who are having now to, in in certain areas of the country where they are having to send their children to school in person for whatever reason, there are a lot of different reasons. And among my, my friends and acquaintances who are folks that are involved in justice work, one of the things, that has sort of broken my heart I think is maybe the only way I can describe it Mm -hmm. is watching these parents you know they're they're very concerned for their family safety and justice work is part of what they do as a family and so there are lots of there's a lot of thought that goes into how they are engaging in justice work right now and being very mindful of the fact that, you know, they don't really wanna sacrifice their children to this virus um, in the streets right now. So I, I think that that has introduced a very difficult dynamic for folks who are involved in justice work. But I also think it's a very difficult dynamic in school. Because I can see a situation where there are families of color who are ma- who down to masks, right? Just something as simple as wearing a mask that, you know, their family is um trying to be as safe as possible, and they are sending their their children to school with masks. And then there may be families, you know, white families who um, don't think that the virus is real and are not sending their school, their children to school with masks. And so now I'm thinking about, there's, there are new layers. Like, unfortunately, the pandemic has become something that is politicized. Right and where race where socioeconomic status where all kinds of other factors there's intersectionality to how this virus is affecting folks and so now our children in school you know i just want i for myself i want to be very aware of what children are going through
0: yeah.
1: um and the fact that you know masking is something that um is a big deal for them. And it also could have these layers of, you know, race or theology or politics, like all those things have now been put on a mask, which is so bizarre. You know, like it's just the oddest thing that a mask would be politicized.
0: To me it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that that's the kind of trauma that that folks are walking through right now.
0: I've made the I've made it a point to verbalize. So I have a daughter who has a um, uh 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 pre existing health condition. So even in our weekly or our monthly uh bi month every month, or every other month, uh scheduled appointments, the conversation has been, hey, we understand what everybody else is doing, but your kids specifically cannot be exposed to it because if she turns sick, it can get worse. It's, it's a different dynamic for her, Yes, but in the same, one of the things I've been, I've been kind of overt with uh, expressing that with the understanding that everybody doesn't have the same privilege as I do in this moment to be flexible with our schedule. So that's, that's something that I do wanna make sure I say, and I think you've reiterated very clearly. It's easy for me right now where I am to I, I have the advantage to be like my kid has to stay home. There's no, there's nothing else that we can do about it. You know, this is what we're gonna do. And I understand that I'm speaking from a place of privilege. But at the same token, there is this thought <laughs> that we like. It wasn't just the United States experiencing a pandemic. This was a global pandemic. It affected every continent differently. If we had taken the necessary precautions to be a little more selfless right now. It's my thought that if we, for six months that we had, you know, navigated through the end of the school year through the summer term, that if we had been more cognizant of, of being our brother's keeper. Yes, I don't think that this uh, mask means anything to me. I think this pandemic is, you know, whatever. But for the people who do believe that this is a big deal, let me go ahead and do this. Then we wouldn't be experiencing the problems that we're having six months, that we had six months ago, again. Like, I, it's, and, and I'm, I, I really have had to dig deep into my prayer wall between Christ and myself to really have a firm understanding of how I'm supposed to be empathetic to people mm-hmm. who adamantly refuse to do something that, it's, that I would consider is selfless. Mm-hmm. I could understand if this was just only affecting a, a certain segment of America or um, like, you know, the South or, you know, the North or what have you, or if we hadn't had some proven remedies to flattening the curve. But being that we have, you know, like the Europeans, you know, did something and it helped them. New York did something and it helped them. Other, you know, places are doing things, putting uh, more uh, uh restrictions in order to help mm-hmm. the global the world open up again. And mm-hmm. it's just it just I don't know, like, and I don't really know how to put it into words. I'm just kind of, like, talking in a circle, I feel like. But essentially, it's it's frustrating. I think
1: that what we're, I will say, I think you're really not alone. I think that um, one of the the most frequent things that, that parents are coming to me and talking about or are calling our pastor to talk about, Um, is the grief that, you know, this is entirely preventable. All of this is preventable. Uh, we, We cannot eradicate the virus at this moment, but we are capable of eliminating the virus, which would mean, you know, drastically diminishing the spread. And so I think there is grief about how botched things have been and how um, I think I've heard folks from all over the political spectrum express a sense of they're just baffled that it's like, I don't really understand how this has been so mishandled and mismanaged at every level. And so I think there is this collective grief and I think that part of grief is anger And so I think there is anger, there is this depression, you know, just the sadness, um, the despair. I think, you know, there's bargaining, there's denial, there's all those parts of grief. And I think it's for parents, especially parents with children, this is a really important time to be gentle with ourselves. Um, And just to recognize that we feel a sense of powerlessness, probably, even to protect our own children, you know, even that there's a lot of what ifs. Um, And so there's powerlessness that hits close to home. But then there's also that collective powerlessness that it's, it's like, I wish that I could do something to make this better, <laughs> um, all of this that our country is going through right now. Um, and maybe what I have to do today is be faithful to what God has given me in my life today. Oh. And to ask God to help me accept that that is enough for today.
0: That is a word. Let's, let's, let's do this then. Let's talk about the pandemic specifically from, uh, from a, a you perspective. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about it from a broader perspective. Let's talk about it yep. from the you perspective. Yep. And yep. if you could kind of uh, reconcile your initial feelings to kind of what you just said at the end, which is, I, I, I will be happy about this moment, this day that I'm doing mm-hmm. and I'm operating well in this moment and this mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I want to start out by saying that um, I have a child who is higher risk as well. Not um, thankfully, she does not have a condition where she is necessarily immunocompromised. Oh. Um, but she has had she had a, a significant bilateral pneumonia last fall and was hospitalized for ten days. Um, which was a very odd presentation and then ended up having a difficult time recovering with reactive airway and asthma yeah. symptoms kind of persisted. So <clears throat> initially there was just this tremendous sense of stress, I think. And and like there were a couple months of nesting, like it just became very important that we have like food and we have medicines and you know, I will tell you, I did not hoard toilet paper because there was no toilet paper
0: to hoard. <laughs> <laughs> so no one can I, come to you about that. Got it. Right, it no, I don't fault. have
1: that. I don't have that. Um, I did somehow end up with a box of millet. So if there's anybody out there who needs millet, I have a lot of it. <laughs> That's a long story. So, you know, there was this initial sort of like girding our loins, right? Like, okay. Yeah. You know shore up for the summer um and um as I think as as our family and as I have gone through um there's been grief and um you know just all kinds of things that we've had to work through I've noticed that um something that became important for me was this phrase um you know, can I have the courage to be present with what is? Mm. So can I be present um, with this craziness going on in our family? Um, You know, David and I, early on in the pandemic, we just sort of looked at each other and we said, my husband and I looked at, you know, and was like, well, we're going to just make it work. And then we immediately said, And we know it's not going to work. It's just going to be what it is, right? Um, But, you know, can I be present with that? With the days where, you know, I'm working from, it feels like I work from 5 a.m. till 11 p.m. Just with all the interspersed, you know, interruptions and things that my family might need during the day. There are some days that are like that. Can I be present? Um, to the grief that I feel, to the powerless that I, powerlessness that I feel sometimes when other people are sick. Um, and, you know, as we know, more people who do get the virus and, and even unfortunately pass away from the virus. Um, also, people who are sick and are going through health crises during this time when you can't go visit them, You know, like you can't just hop in the car and go, go see mom and dad if one of them are sick, Um, that kind of stuff. So can I be present with that sometimes traumatic experience, but just grief and the tough stuff. And then lastly, you know, can I allow God to be with me Mm -hmm. in the chaotic spaces. So when I'm feeling out of control, when I'm feeling broken, when I'm feeling angry, when I sort of fly off the handle or get really stressed, like stress level goes way up, well, can I take a breath and allow God to be present with me in in that imperfection? Um, And so through, you know, asking that question and trying to do some things that are healthy, like taking a few breaks during the day, just to take, to do two minutes of deep breathing when I notice my stress level going up, trying to go on walks, trying to eat healthily, letting myself get good sleep. So in addition to those things, um, you know, asking that question about being present has helped me to, to let each day, like when I come to the end of each day, to lay it to rest and to let it be enough. Um,
0: throughout what you were saying i i just the refrain of psalms 23 just kind of Mm -hmm. kept kind of going in Mm -hmm. my mind and it it, i don't know why it's like i've been inundated with sermons and topics and and things like that so i can't for the life of me figure why it's just come to me now but i guess you were the catalyst that helped it (laughs) Mm -hmm. but being allowing god to be present in the middle of this chaotic moment. You know? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I should not fear no evil for thou art with me. He is still with us. Even in these high stress, high intense moments where we feel completely, you know, helpless. He is still with us. And like the whole time you were talking, all I heard was Psalms 23. Right. Like like I wanna be with you in your feelings, in your moment, in in your feelings of despair, like I literally, this is, this is the part that I really want to be, I want to be with you in a good moment, but here, like, I still want to be with you right here.
1: Yeah,
0: that's so good. That is so good.
1: Are you familiar with the song, My Shepherd Will Supply
0: My Need? Vaguely, yes.
1: Okay, so I, it's so funny that you are talking about Psalm 23, because I am, um, so Saturday, this is another good thing for us to talk about. Um, yeah. Saturdays are Sabbath day. So for me, that is the day that I cease from work
0: and worry. Um and oh Hannah. <laughs> from, from work and worry. Yes. yes, and the worry part,
1: the worry part is a little harder, right? Yes. That takes some work, but um Part of what I do is I try to go like hike or go run or go do something. Um, So I will do that for a couple hours. And then I come home and then my husband goes out and he goes on a bike ride. That's what, that's kind of his thing that he loves. Um, But I was on my walk on Saturday and was walking through some fields and the words of my shepherd will supply my need, which is, um, you know, written from psalm 23 were just running through my head um that you know he leads me for his mercy's sake in paths of truth and grace he leads my wandering spirit back when i forsake his way um just that image of god you know lovingly present with us and leading and guiding us but also helping you know when i'm like off the reservation during the day god gently you know, leading me back when I start to wander. But there's also this line in that song for, that comes from the scripture of Psalm 23, um, that is from the line, you know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Ooh. And that sort of hit me in a different way. So circling back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like, what do we do with this well, there's this grief you know this collective grief and there's anger and now we're dealing with like school and feeling angry about school and we're at the store and we're feeling angry about you know people at the store not wearing masks and like just that frustration that is with us you know you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies mm-hmm. that that sort of hit me in a different way that like god you know it's there's this feast there that God has for all of us and it is still prepared in the presence of our enemies and like sitting down at the table with our enemies which is like I don't know that I would choose to do that but okay but that was an important word for me this weekend was just to be reminded that you know there is a table and God feeds and nourishes me even in the presence of my enemies even in these hard places with folks who we may disagree about
0: how to respond, oh, right? Good. That is, that is good. Because essentially, even if we disagree, we still need to live with, we need to live harmoniously or do our best to live as harmonious as possibly with mm-hmm. each other. That's true. Whether you're and red or you're blue.
1: <laughs> how important, I think that is like that is for us that you know they always say there's that saying that bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die and it's easy to feel bitter for sure right now I mean I know I definitely feel that um but it is poisonous for us
0: it doesn't benefit us to to carry anyone it doesn't benefit you in the long run to carry the bitterness or operate within that bitterness—that's good. Mm-hmm. Pastor, Anna, you preaching, girl? Ah, yeah, you do your thing. <laughs> so let's do this as uh, I, I call in my last interview. I called it a benediction, as a form of a benediction. So uh, we have spoken from the pandemic, from a you know a wide. Uh, we've cast a wide net. We've cast a smaller net. Let's just bring it on, bring it on home for um, those, of us, those of us with, you know, children. Or those of us who are teachers, you know, people who in, within the school system, just everyone. Um, if you could just kind of bless us with a a, a word of encouragement um, yeah. for our families as we navigate. Um, this time that we don't, we honestly don't have an end point for. Yeah. So um,
1: I spent some time in Psalm 105 um, over the last week, mm-hmm. and I'd like to talk about that just a little bit as a blessing for folks. Um, so Psalm 105 uh, verses three and four, um, they they talk through this, you know, beautiful parallel Hebrew poetry, um, there's this sense of, you know, seek God's presence continually. That is sort of the refrain of Psalm 105. So glory in the name of the Lord, seek his presence continually. So I was looking into those verses a little bit and the word glory in Hebrew, it does mean This sort of um, boastful, like confetti filled parade type praise that we might associate with the word glory. But in Hebrew, it also alludes to divine light and warmth. So I kept hearing this word, you know, bask in God's presence, like bask in the warmth and light of God's presence. And I think that, you know, and the image of a turtle came to mind, how turtles will go. I took this picture one time in our driveway of this turtle who was so shy and never came out, but she would come out in the middle of the day and she would sun herself on our driveway and was sort of drawing this light and this, this warmth to give her life and give her strength. And I thought that, that's it. That's what I'm called to do is to bask in the warmth of God's love. And so, um, you know, as a blessing for folks, I, I would like to remind all of us that it's okay to pause and it's okay to rest and to soak in the goodness of God's presence mm-hmm. and take a deep breath. Um, and, and as the scripture says that that is where we find our joy and strength when we bask in the light of God's love. So, um, I want to offer for folks to take away. Uh, there's this ancient practice called breath prayer. Mm. And this, this practice was started, um, to honor the scriptural teaching to pray without ceasing. So these are short prayers that we pray on the inhale and on the exhale. Um, And so that means that it's something you can pray anytime. You can pray, you know, anytime you're breathing, right? Which hopefully is all the time. So um, the breath prayer I want to offer from Psalm 105 is present one, you are my joy and strength. Mm. To carry that with you. Present one, you are my joy and strength. Just to remind all of us to pause and to bask in the warmth of God's love.
0: I can listen to you talk uh, like forever. This was to you to sleep, aren't I? <laughs> no, no. This was, but it's it's a perspective that that counters, um, kind of the news or like social media. It's just a a, a different perspective that I think that we all needed, and it's a peaceful one. So I, oh God, for so, for someone who said that she didn't feel honored, girl, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't sprinkle your little blessings all over.
1: Well, I'm so glad. I still, I'm not quite sure that I'm qualified, but
0: I have loved getting to talk with you. Oh my God. Okay, let me pause this so we can talk. Um, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you she was going to go off? And go off, she did. Pastor Hannah, oh my God, such a wealth of knowledge and helpful practical tools uh, to helping us navigate this pandemic. I hope you felt uh, not just blessed, but swallowed in God's love the way I felt after uh, doing this recording. She was just amazing. And I'm super happy and humbled that she would even consider coming on, um, this platform. Okay. I think I've talked enough. That being said, I hope you have a wonderful, peaceful day. Yeah. Okay. Buh-bye.